You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You subscribe to Haven't Seen It on Apple or Spotify. You follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SeenItPod. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. The Matrix, coming up next. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevene. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening to us today. Tommy, how'd you like that cold open? Uh, pretty good. I got I like the computer voice right there. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you did a good I, job. I, I didn't tell him. I didn't tell him I was going to do that. Yeah. Thank you all again for listening to us today. As we said in the beginning. Like and subscribe. Follow, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We didn't mention it last episode, so we're mentioning it twice to make up for the the fact that we didn't yeah. plug we ourselves. Really, we really want to promote ourselves. We forgot to do that last time for some reason. Um, so yeah, seen it pod on uh, Twitter and Instagram, and uh, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Wherever you do and write a review too, it would be really good. <laughs> yeah, it would it would be very helpful. Tommy, the Matrix. Yeah. So this is an interesting movie. It's 1999, the, the turn of the millennium. When was the first time you saw The Matrix? So The Matrix has never been a movie that um, has been in my life, really. I only saw this movie the first time, honestly, three years ago um, in 2019. <laughs> so just really? somehow avoided me for a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it also kind of avo- avoided me as well because... I just saw it for the first time this past week. So Timmy's the one that hasn't seen it. (laughs) Yeah. I have not seen the podcast or the, not the podcast. I have not seen the movie and we're covering it on the podcast. There you go. Little little verbal vomit, but that's okay. This was my first time seeing the matrix. Human beings are a disease and we are the cure. Now. So you're here to save the world. Everything you know about reality. So what do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. Everything you believe about the future. Buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy, because Kansas is going bye-bye. Will be a thing of the past. No one can be told what the Matrix is. Whoa. You have to see it for yourself. The Matrix. The Matrix, the Wachowski sisters, magnum opus, easily their most acclaimed film, starring Mm -hmm. Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, and Carrie Ann Moss. And Tommy, so you first saw it in 2019. How many times would you say you've seen it since? So this watch uh, uh, this past Monday was my third time seeing it. Um, So I saw it in 2018, and then when the trailer came out for the new one, that day at work, I was like, uh, let me go watch The Matrix when it's a little slower. <laughs> so, yeah. No. What about you? Uh, well, I mean, I said it before, but it was the first time I watched <laughs> it was a week ago. Thank you very much, Tommy. Uh, it's, it's one of those weird movies. Like, I remember because we were in elementary school when this came out. I was six when this came out. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's kind of viewed as Star Wars for a new generation. And the really funny thing is that 
there was actually a new Star Wars in theaters at the same time for a new generation. And one of them has aged like a fine wine. And the other one is the Phantom Menace. So it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting when you think about it like that, because it's follows that classic hero's journey, which we'll get to in a, a little later. It puts and it kind of sim- and again similar to Star Wars, it, it has groundbreaking visuals, which which you know the modern audience was not used to seeing. Like the only cl- close thing I can think of is Jurassic Park in terms of visual, but they're two so they're so drastically different in terms. Well, in of terms style. of action, you also have like a lot of the John Woo movies that took place after this um, or before yeah. this, rather. The people were also in. Um, it's one of those things that for us, like as like nineties uh, kids. When the Matrix really was like one of those things that was so much in pop culture that it was one of those movies that like you almost felt like you just knew what happened in that movie already because of the cultural osmosis where like so many freaking movies like in the early 2000s and like late 90s just had the parodying Matrix. Like you had Shrek do it, Scary Movie do it, just like any random comedy had a lazy uh, Matrix reference. <laughs> Did you ever play the game Conker's Bad Fur Day in uh, 64? Yeah, the game was great. <laughs> yeah, they parody the Matrix in an N64 game, if you want to know how much the Matrix kind of broke into pop culture, just to put it on a candle. But if you kind of compare it back to Star Wars, Star Wars did the exact same thing. They made a disco yeah. version of the Star Wars theme song. People wore buttons that said, may the force be with you. Very, very interesting stuff. But so like when I'm watching it now for the first time, I was kind of taken aback at how there's more under the hood of this movie than just like a simple action story in terms of what it what the matrix itself symbolizes and I think it does it in that allows it to carry itself over some you know like like I don't think Keanu's great in this movie like I think he's fine but like compare it to john wick where i think he stands out a little more in those movies like this one he's like wallpaper well john wick also fits his personality uh oh oh oh, for sure but this is this is so not exactly it's so he feels so out of place like if i think of it's it's like john wick is like a perfect science soldier and then uh this character like literally in the trailer they had to play off keanu being like a dumb stoner where they're like him going like oh so this is the matrix what (laughs) <laughs> like far out right yeah now. <laughs> yeah and well he was i mean speed was his big break like he had bill and ted's which was like kind of a cult hit but speed mm-hmm. was the first like box office superstar where he was like an act just an action hero speed fantastic movie but great movie too keanu didn't want to be an action star kind of after that and kind of started chasing like more like if you look at his work after speed it's it's a lot of like dramas and a lot of like flopped movies like one movie he was on which was johnny mnemonic which i i've seen clips of online but it's it's trying to be an internet movie similar to a lot of other like like internet computer-based movies of the 90s where this technology is new and people have it but they don't know how to actually tell a story about it so I'm going to list off uh, some of the movies that Keanu was in, uh, in between Speed and Matrix right now. So obviously you just said John Manomic, and then tell me if you've heard of uh, any of these movies. Um, A Walk in the Clouds. Oh, classic. No. Uh, no. <laughs> Chain Reaction. 
ch- chain reaction to my heart. What a love story. Yeah. But what the fuck is that? Uh, feeling, <laughs> feel, feeling, feeling Minnesota right now. Have you heard of that? <laughs> yeah. It was about the Minnesota Vikings losing in the playoffs. It's a real tough movie if you're a sports fan. Wait, was it really? <laughs> no, t- Tommy. Come on. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what feeling Minnesota could be about. Um, and then we have uh, the last time I committed suicide. Um, no idea. Never heard of that. And then the only movie of note in between Speed and Matrix they did was The Devil's Advocate um, with the great Al Pacino. But other than that, I mean, like, really, like, like I just listed off, like, what, four or five movies that, like, have not, uh, no one's really heard of in about 30 years. <laughs> Wasn't the suicide one? It was, like, an, a biopic of Kurt Cobain. Oh Jesus! It's like well, what? <laughs> Going for it today. Uh, it's a random movie with too soon. Tom's... Too soon, yeah. Too soon. Thirty years too soon. Um, but but yeah. So you know, it it was one of those first good you know movies. And as you listed, like he kind of fell off the map. And I think it's part of the reason why they were able to like afford him for this movie, even though it was high budget, and the Wachowskis weren't like super super well regarded at this time either but mm-hmm. it, I, I mean really all the costumes were numerous they made a movie called like bound i think like four years before mm-hmm. and I, again I, the movies no one's ever heard of <laughs> yeah well but i think they did some like effects and other things too for a couple other movies but which led it to them tommy did you know how they got this movie greenlit um well that's my response i guess um <laughs> i guess that uh as special effects, I mean, they just pitched it fucking everywhere and somehow someone took it up. <laughs> no, no. So they they wrote the script and then they had an artist make a 600 page graphic novel of the script <laughs> to, to pitch it because it was so visually distinct that you, they needed you needed you, no one can read that off the page and give you here's 40 million dollars to make a movie like it just wouldn't happen like that especially on you know at the time fairly unknown directors um but i think that's i think it's part of why it works i think i think the visual effects of the movie like still stand out to me like I, nothing I, really I, seems staged when you're watching this i mean no, for no, most it's part. A, it well it's 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 the same lesson of jurassic park when you when you combine your effects when you you know a lot of the action is wire wire foo and and animation and when you combine those effects it makes it so that the audience can't tell what's real and what's fake and it makes it more believable whereas i have a lot of issues with a lot of you know modern movies and we'll Mm -hmm. get to that later but they kind of they kind of have all gone cg and it just you know like your eye can tell when it's not real and it when well, it especially when it's bad CGI, because I mean, like, I remember like that Will Smith movie, I Am Legend, where like the vampires in that are all CGI and it looks terrible and takes you out immediately. <laughs> I remember when that movie came out and everybody was just like, this could I Am Legend could be the greatest movie that's ever been made. And uh, I like bought into the hype and then yeah. I saw it and I was like 14. So I had to like, if people liked it, I couldn't say that I disliked it. But I remember being like, this movie sucks. Like, why am I watching this? He just walks around Grand Central. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't, I don't, I remember liking that movie. But again, I was 14 when I saw it and I haven't seen it since. <laughs> but yeah, it was just one of those things where like in the movie, if they made those monsters like more practical effect would have been looked cooler. And that's the lesson you got to learn over and over again. 
in Hollywood. Yeah. That, like sometimes you got to restrain yourself a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, for sure. Uh, and I think part of what makes this The Matrix work compared to its first sequels, Reloaded and Revolutions, is how contained of a story it is. Like if, if, if they never made an, another, if this didn't do well at the box office and it just came out like this and people are picking it up 20 years later saying like, oh my God, this great movie. All you would know of it, all you would think of it is that Morpheus is basically the God of, of outside of the matrix. Like he is the only force where the other movies kind of expand on the entire world of outside of the matrix and it explores deeper and deeper philosophical elements and intertwines them way more in the story where I think the matrix is a Kung Fu movie set in a computer that, that makes you question things that you can easily relate to, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, um, I mean, this movie in a way, it kind of ends in like a way where it's very satisfying. Like Neo pretty much gets like his superhero swings uh, off, you know, like in the Spider-Man movies, when Toby like swings into camera into frame, like here's my superhero shot. And, that's pretty much the end of this movie where it goes Keanu fly into the air and then all of a sudden we play some shitty new metal. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, it's one of the things about this movie that like, you know, even though I do like this movie, um, the style, speaking of stuff as age, like I just do not like the cyberpunk, like weird aesthetic that they have in this movie. It just doesn't work for me <laughs> as much. See, well, I mean, I don't like it. Like I'm not going to wear it, but I like it in the movie. It's so it's so distinct dude like i like movies imitated it for six years like like from 90 from after 99 to like 05 06 like every hollywood movie every action movie was chasing that look and that none, of them even come, none of them even come close it's, it's one of those it's one of those things it does it does work in the movie with keanu but like in the beginning of the movie when you have um Keanu get met um, meets like this random group of people that are about to go to a bar. The White Rabbit. The White Rabbit is that, um, and he basically goes to this bar, and you see everyone like dance around to like something out of like a twisted metal video game, where it's just like, what the fuck is going on? Dude, that was dude. You didn't know that's what the late '90s were like. It was just like everybody dressed in black, and they went into techno clubs and just stared sulkily at people. Oh wait, that's just going to like a regular club. I feel like. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I, I don't mind the all black, but it's just that something about it was just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it, you know, I, I think the style is obvious. It dates it. Yeah. Obviously, but it also, I think it's interesting. And I think this kind of clip from uh, Agent Smith, where he has his one of his monologues, he kind of describes it pretty well. Did you know that the first Matrix was designed to be a perfect human world where none suffered, where everyone would be happy? It was a disaster. No one would accept the program. Entire crops were lost. Some believed that we lacked the programming language to describe your perfect world, but I believe that as a species, human beings define their reality through misery and suffering, which is why the Matrix was redesigned to this, the peak of 
your civilization. And I say your civilization because as soon as we started thinking for you, it really became our civilization, which is, of course, what this is all about. Evolution, Morpheus. Evolution. Like the dinosaur. Look out that window. You had your time. The future is our world, Morpheus. The future is our time. I feel like the one thing in that monologue that kind of really sets the style of the Matrix apart is they're saying, okay, this year, the year 1999, is the peak of humanity where we turned our reliance in onto AI far more than we ever should have as a species. And due to our never-ending need for conflict, that's what led to the AI taking over the real world and using humans to power their civilization and they power it through the matrix. So when you're saying like, oh, it's dated, but I guess in that sense, it's the style of it, it's also like the very much the paranoia of the era where this is right around the time of Y2K, obviously right around the corner. Um, you had so many movies like Terminator, the Terminator series, especially where it's just like paranoia about reliance on machines and like, hey, what if we're like kind of just like going over to the tipping point right here? So, and in a way, it does fit, fit it firmly within that 99 uh, time frame. <laughs> yeah. Well, Y2K is one of those interesting ones where I just think I'm like, what the hell happened? <laughs> like, <laughs> why? Why was everyone convinced that like just because it was going to turn two thousand, the like, computers couldn't handle it? <laughs> yeah, it's one of the dumber. Listen, there's been a lot of conspiracy theories brought to light out of late, none of which I will completely note. Yep. Boy, Y two K makes them look a lot smarter, huh? Y two yeah, Y two K was definitely a different one. <laughs> Yeah, and well, I, I also find it interesting. I think one thing the, that helps the Matrix in its age is that it kind of gets where we're going. Like, I think the Wachowskis very clearly saw where humanity, like our actual humanity was heading, not to that, not to the point in the movie, obviously, but from the year 1999 to the year 2022, our reliance on technology is quadrupled, if not, more more you know like times a thousand compared like to think about it in the 90s you still had some time without your screens and now uh you know for smartphones i mean yeah i'm guilty of it especially um we, we've all like looked at our phones fucking all the time now you know <laughs> yeah, t- yeah t- tommy you had to read the back remember like when you were a kid and you like read the instructions of the manual of like a shampoo bottle of like your l'oreal for kids little little fishy yeah. Yeah. Like you probably read, you probably read what was in those no more tears. And like you and I, we both had no clue what any of those words in the ingredients meant, but, but we that's sitting, how bored we were. <laughs> we were sitting there and that's what we did. I remember cause I used to not be able to get my game boy when during school weeks, my mom wouldn't let me play Monday through Thursday. I would hide it in the bathroom and I would just, that was, that was, that was my time. You know, that was my me time. That, that was your Game Boy time. That was my game, that was my Game Boy time, and don't you that's, dare that's, that's that's what you're doing for thirty minutes in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yes, yeah. just just playing some Pokemon. Gotta catch them all. 
to the Matrix. So back to the Matrix. You know, making this real comfortable for Timmy here. <laughs> I, I'm not yeah. the one. I'm not uncomfortable. No, no, no. So, so I kind of want to keep talking about the the philosophy of the film. Tommy, did did you know what their main basis, like the philosophical theory um, that the Matrix was based off of? Like simulation theory. I know there's a specific name. I'm forgetting it. <laughs> it's called. It's Plato's the allegory of the cave. Inside a cave are people who were born there and spent their entire lives there. They are chained to a wall and stuck looking at it. They know nothing of a world outside of what they can see. And it molds into his analogy of the sun. The nature of reality and the knowledge concerning it. The sun is knowledge and the light is truth. And if you end up crawling out of that cave and seeing the light, you will clear your eyes and you will start to see things differently. And I think it's a really basic concept. I know in terms of politics, the red pill, blue pill thing has been completely can you know, cannibalized. I know the Wachowski. Yeah, they've they've lost the complete meaning of it now, where it's just like, okay, it's gone out of the control of the Wachowskis at this point with the red pill, blue well, pill. Well, I think shit. they should, like I think Elon Musk tweeted something about it and she tweeted back at him to like fuck off. <laughs> like <laughs> just like, like can, can you oh that must be the worst someone like your work of art just gets fucking taken over by people that you just don't agree with. And you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, see, I, I think I disagree with that and not to put myself in their shoes or what, you know, they can feel completely different. But I think there's something to a theory of the red pill and the blue pill where you can throw it onto almost like so many different beliefs and so many walks of life can relate to it. Like yeah. so many people from different backgrounds, different thoughts, different everything are able to kind of connect it. And it's a really good metaphor for a lot of, a lot of things and, a, and, a, you know, it concerning our reality and people thinking that we live in a simulation, which I, I don't think by the way. I don't think either. <laughs> That's good. So, um, I don't hey, know what, if I could do a podcast with a simulation theory guy. Yeah. What what my face just fucking morphs in the goddamn uh, Mr. Smith. <laughs> yeah. Hello, <Yeah>. Timmy. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Anderson. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Stasino. <laughs> uh so uh one of the things I thought was funny when uh, doing like research of like trivia and stuff for this movie was um that the Wiskowskis um made it so every one of the actors were able to not only just understand but explain the matrix. Uh, not just as a film, but just as a philosophy. So they gave him a bunch of uh, fucking like philosophy uh, reading, like uh, by Simulacra, and the simulation was is required reading. Keanu had to figure it out. I'm probably butchering this pronunciation. That, 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 that was very clearly the first time you've ever pronounced those words. <laughs> like not even, yeah. not even. I, 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 I'll admit it. One hundred percent. Without even a question of a doubt, the first time you said you you've said those words. Uh, how, how was my first attempt? Was it just awful? <laughs> uh, I mean, it was wonderful in the best way, Tommy. And <laughs> in, in my way, on a special way. Yeah, but anyways, uh, all the cast. So, simulacara and simulation, a nineteen eighty one philosophical treatise by philosopher John Baldredal. Yeah, Tommy. I just wanted to stunt on you a little bit, to be completely honest. 
Yeah, yeah, well. I didn't read it. I just was able to pronounce it a little better than you were because it was still probably wrong. Well, and if, if it was you know, wrong, let us know in the comment. You know, yeah. leave a five star review and tell me I was wrong. Yeah, leave us a comment on the Instagram page or Twitter. So uh, we'll, we'll probably be told that we're dumbasses. We're so, not desperate. No, 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 no. I, I do find it funny that, like, uh, so apparently when, like, Keanu was um, before, when they pitched a script to Keanu, before they even, like, went into, like, the script, they started talking uh, to him about, like, all the philosophy behind the movie and, like, you know, those different readings and stuff like that. <laughs> you can imagine at first, like, was Keanu, it was just, like, a very extremely awkward meeting at first, where the guy's like, what the fuck are these people talking about? <laughs> no, it, I think he, that's why he probably loved it. Like, we read off the movies Keanu did between Speed and this. He had nothing he going do, for him. <laughs> he was do not that he wasn't had nothing going for him. He did a, a movie with suicide in the title. He was clearly trying to do something <laughs> With, he was trying to, you know, reach his, he wanted to be an actor, you know, he wanted to make film, not movies, Tom, he wanted to make film, he was an, he's an artist, yeah. and I respect that passion for Keanu, but he's the, maybe the strangest A-lister ever, he has such, like, a dull, chill delivery, and, like, I don't think he's actually, like, that, like, as an actor, he's not like imagine watching him like in like a shakespeare play or like doing like a one-man like monologue he's been in shakespeare movies i'm pretty sure no i know <laughs> i know he has but i i you know i he he just comes off very one-dimensional and i think he like nails that one-dimensional and i think audiences love that one dimension that he's able well, to he, he... People love like the persona that Keanu has given up over these years. And like we were saying earlier, John Wick's really played into that where he doesn't really have to stretch his muscles. He just fits into his one lane. But um, I remember with Point Break, they said that there's apparently like some like film uh, comedy improv group in California that does a stage reunion of uh, Point Break like every year. And they pull up someone on stage to play Keanu, a new person every night, and they give them the cue cards there so they can have the same exact acting experience of Keanu in the movie. (laughs) So that's where we're going with. Don't get me wrong. I love Keanu and he knows his line very well, but when he tries to get out of that, like with uh, the Dracula movie where he tries a British accent and goes terribly. <laughs> I have offended you with my ignorance, Count. I've seen many strange things already. Bloody wolves chasing me through some blue inferno. Yeah, it, it's a very, I think it's like the perfect culmination of the 90s like just did you watch the woodstock 99 documentary on oh yeah yeah that was great yeah it was good and i think the interesting thing was hearing a lot of people talk about how like the late 90s and i, th- I think they're talking more musically but i think it can kind of carry over into a lot of other avenues of how like there was no culture everything was just like loud and explosive and well, it's like the it, biggest bands were like Corn and like Limp Bizkit. At yeah, the time. but it, you know, it's but I'm talking about it being like loud and yeah, angry. yeah, just aggressive. Yeah, it was so <laughs> aggressive. And I think one thing that the Matrix does really well in its pacing is that it has the opening action scene with Carrie and Moss, which I think is like such a good way to to open it. It's not the it's not the hero being introduced to you. It's not Neo or mr anderson it's the it's it's the you know it's the female lead trinity and it's a great action sequence and it just shows how intimidating and how menacing 
the agents and agent smith are i mean hugo weaving like i mean you heard it in that clip before like he is just it's a great it's a great way to drop you in and just show you like how fucking like high the stakes are and how crazy agent smith is alone where it's just like okay we're in this world let's go let's go that's awesome okay you know crazy shit's gonna happen this is gonna be an insane action movie get in put a buckle your fucking seatbelt get ready for the matrix (laughs) yeah and then it takes like an hour it takes like an hour and 20 minutes for it to for them to kind of re-enter the matrix because like the real action of the movie doesn't pick up until after the oracle scene it's kind of the it's it's a lot of exposition dump pretty pretty much it's weird when watching it because um you know there's some movies when i'm watching like an exposition dump and i check out it almost becomes like uh, the worst case of it is like when they're they're explaining it to you and it just comes off like you're in some bullshit class that you don't even care about where it's just like what's going on here like can i get out of here right now and the matrix to its credit has essentially like a 30 40 minute scene maybe of just um morpheus uh lawrence fishburne just explaining the matrix and what it is to keanu for yeah like 30 40 minutes and somehow they did in a way that keeps you engaged throughout and just really keeps up a decent pace with exposition which is all the dialogue at that point (laughs) do you want to know what it is the matrix is everywhere it is all around us even now in this very room you can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television you can feel it when you go to work when you go to church when you pay your taxes it is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth what truth that you are a slave neo like everyone else you were born into bondage born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch a prison for your mind so that was his first explanation of the matrix to neo in the famous red pill blue pill scene which i got a very rare uh, cut of for the beginning it was it was actually an error on Lawrence Fishburne's part he didn't really mean to speak it was like a that. weird line reading right there <laughs> it was a t- it was a tick it, he you know they were concerned about Tourette's but he ended up being okay it was just you know it's a one-off <laughs> so <laughs> but no um, you're right and and I think part of uh, why that works is it's so much it's it's a lot of tell but they're showing you so much while they're hmm. doing it like Think about the there's like it's like a set it's like a 10 minute kung fu scene in that 40 minutes and it's just all awesome kung fu while it's all exposition dump so if you really don't want to pay attention you don't really have to pay attention but since the visual is so engaging you're probably going to exactly it's one of those things that keeps the camera engaged it keeps the action engaged it's not just like um one of my least favorite uh uses of exposition recently and timmy i know you love this movie is in uh dune the new Dune movie. Um, yeah, and, and uh, I'm going to be a hater for a second, but in the new Dune movie, there's some scenes where you do exposition dumps. To me no, no, no. T- Tommy, you watch this movie on your iPad at work. I do not want to hear that you're like, oh, I was so <laughs> bored. I was answering well, no, emails the, the, the and it was an exposition dump. The, the expo- no, what I'm saying is the exposition in that movie uh, came off very much on the movie where it was the main character and it felt like he was 
literally looking up like a YouTube tutorial of like or a YouTube background story of what happened and it wasn't engaging to me. And it was very boring. <laughs> and the Matrix does not seem like that to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean I Dune, I don't know enough about Dune to talk more about it, but from what I've read of Dune, which is a couple of chapters, it's a lot. Like the first yeah. couple of chapters are just like exposition. And I think you just you need to provide that con like that movie needs that context because it's so vast if you you're just not going to know what's going to go what's going on if you don't get it somehow so i think having paul educate himself which is educating the audience is the only way to do it while being true to the actual story and not making it some like jammed in like it seemed like they kind of had like a no win scenario because the way it yeah came it, up to me it, it is it is no win and i mean when you watch it on a 10 inch screen, it really doesn't pay off. But you know, when you see it in a, well, a true I'm when you see it in a true IMAX <laughs> screen with true audience and you know your phone turned off, like Tommy is texting me, like I'm watching doing this movie sucks. I'm like, well, you're texting me, so you're not really watching it. But I digress. Oh, but I'm pa I was pausing it. I was pausing it, dude. I swear I was I, I was I was paused when I when I when I was doing mm -hmm. it. So it, um yeah. it's regardless, uh, a shitty exposition scene isn't gonna change if it's on IMAX or not. So that's why I feel about Dune. yes, yes, it does because you. It's yeah. still this. It's still the same shitty uh, exposition dialogue. So, uh, well, we're digress. Uh, that'll be in our future episode of Dune, where I just really piss off Timmy throughout. So can't wait. Uh, get ready <laughs> down the line. But this is about the Matrix, not about Dune. <laughs> this that is true. This is a podcast about the Matrix. So back to great exposition Dune. scenes, like there are in the Matrix. So like the um, ones in <laughs> Ghostbusters twenty sixteen. Oh, there's a reference. We did it. We did it. Yeah, I, I don't really know if there were. It feels like there would be, though. Back to um, the Matrix. So yeah, red Matrix. pill or blue pill. Red pill essentially is you find out what the Matrix is and, you know, your life is going to change for all. And blue pill is you, you just stay where you are. Uh, you forget all this happened and your life just goes on and the story ends here. So which would you take? I'm a little disappointed you have to even ask me, Tommy, but I'm taking the red pill. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, I know. I mean, how could you, I, I mean, I get it. Like the form of comfort of the blue pill, the disbelief of it. But for me, like, I, I don't know. There's something. Well, so so the question, and... the question is more than anything is that, is this me getting this news from Morpheus or is this, me as Neo getting the news of Morpheus because if it's the first one, I'm gonna be like, well, I'm not gonna be able to do fucking anything anyways about the Matrix. So fuck, give me the blue pill. I don't give a shit. Hey, Tommy, <laughs> you know who else said that the first time they heard about the Matrix? What? Neo. He did it in the movie. He said, "Oh, I can't do that." So he wasn't a believer. And then what did he start to do, Tommy? Started to believe. He started to believe. That's true. So. And you know what we do on this podcast? We believe. We believe in our friends. We believe in ourselves. All right. But on a similar level, so there is one character played by uh, Joey uh, Pantalon. I just fuck up the Cypher. Pants. Cypher. Uh, where Cypher pretty much uh, the main crux of the climax is that Cypher sold out his team and uh, he's been revealed that the Matrix, uh, about the Matrix and hates the fact that he knows about the Matrix as a thing and wants to go back to his life that's blissfully unaware. And while I don't agree with his methods, I do see kind of being like, his point where it's just like, okay, like in the matrix, like I thought that life was good, but like, instead you wake up into this reality where it's like, 
it's gray and dull and fucking depressing. You know, there's no fucking grass, no fucking like fun, pretty much in the actual Matrix world, like the real world. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he's a he's a quitter though. That's yeah, that's what he is. He's a quit. He's a quitter. He's he's a baby. He was not happy that it was taking so long to progress. Um, and it's kind of weird. I mean, his whole thing because it's so it's the structure of it because as you, we said like there's so much exposition like 30 mm. 40 minutes of exposition like he's what sets the plot in motion like the the remaining plot of the movie is very short after the exposition because they have to explain so much of what the matrix is to the audience well Just apparently warner brothers like demanded that they put that into script because they were like this is the script that no one understands you need to fucking have this shit and it, you can see why right. they're right imagine <laughs> yeah. if you cut imagine if you just cut like half of those scenes out it just doesn't work like the radiant lady in the red sequence i think it helps establish a lot uh you know of the smith the threat of the smiths like i like that it's always shown throughout the movie like even joey pants he offers keanu a drink and says listen if you ever face to face with an agent just run yeah, no, they, they do a great job of that, just like showing like pretty much everything the story beats that you need to know, and it, it's just why like kind of this movie works and kind of still holds up because if you had it very clunky, if like those scenes of um, Morpheus was just like a thirty-minute monologue of just Morpheus still camera on him just explain everything, this movie would be awful. <laughs> no one would like this movie. <laughs> so. No. It would be you'd have to make it like a documentary where it just starts flashing yeah. back to Morpheus's life. Like it starts with like the the main speech, and then it's just like Morpheus was born on Zion in the year uh, it, It's like uh, to go to video games. It's like uh, when Metal Gear Solid has like forty minute cutscenes or just exposition dumps, and it feels like a history lesson. <laughs> oh, I've never played a Metal Gear Solid game, but I can't imagine sitting through forty minutes of exposition. Yeah, in a video I game. I. Thank God they're uh, skippable because immediately I'm like, okay, fuck this. I don't need to know all this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I, we, we don't need that in our movies either. <laughs> no. But you know what we do need in movies, Tommy? What's that? We need stars. I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. Who is the star of the movie? Who stole the show? Well, I feel like the obvious answer would probably be Keanu, but no, really, the, I mean, he's the star of the movie. He's he doesn't literally steal the star the movie. of the movie. He, he doesn't steal it. He's the star of the movie. But if uh, if anyone, it'd probably just be Morpheus, because like really, like Lawrence Fishburne just like put in a great performance, and like we said, he carries a lot of the exposition, a lot of dialogue that could, in the right um, in the wrong hands could have been very clunky, very boring, just very like you know teachery where um he just does it in a great way in a very interesting and cool way morpheus is the coolest character in the movie easily <laughs> i i wish keanu i wish there was just a cut of the movie with keanu <laughs> explaining the matrix to lawrence fishburne <laughs> like that's so wild bro like <laughs> the matrix wow. the, dude the matrix is all around us it's it's all around us dude. <laughs> uh yeah i think he's him he is the winner of the movie like he i think he gets the biggest bump it like it revitalizes his career again but for me i think it's hugo weaving i love him as agent smith it started his run of nerd nerddom for about the next 10 years where he was just in every 
nerd IP <laughs> over that yeah. decade. Like Lord of the Rings <laughs> and Transformers and everything. <laughs> and and uh, and he did V for Vendetta with the Wachowskis. Oh yeah, yeah. So very they might very much like each other. <laughs> yeah, he he's just he's so menacing. He just his voice is so stone cold and ruthless. You just you feel his you just feel the menace and you feel the the distance and like he feels like a robot. He feels like a synth. He doesn't feel like one of us where you know in the again in the wrong hands imagine keanu is agent smith no no yeah no you don't want to (laughs) sorry sorry keanu we love you but boy you got it you got it outclassed a little bit in the acting department (laughs) we we love you but not for your acting (laughs) we love you for your one lane of acting true Ah, are you ready comedy partner waka waka does this movie work as a Muppet adaptation? Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> no, no, I need to see one scene of Fozzie Bear as um, Morpheus explained to uh, Kermit to the Matrix. <laughs> now, see, I, the only scene I need is I just need like all the bullet time, like the first bullet time sequence of Keanu leaning back, but with Kermit and like his arms flailing backwards in a black coat. Just... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked that hasn't been in a fucking like Muppets movie. <laughs> I'm I'm sure the clip. I'm sure some f- nerdy fan has made that. It, it seems like the very obvious joke that the Muppets would have made in the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't really make it. This isn't a podcast about the Muppets, but they didn't really make anything in the. Early it's 2000s. it's a part of the podcast, but yeah, <laughs> it is a part of the podcast. It's a part of our souls, you know. Kermit, but yeah, but rating Tommy, what do you think? All right, so uh, The Matrix, like I said, was never really a movie that was a part of my life. Um, I saw one of the first sequels before I saw the first one. And though on rewatch, though, like I said, it's really engages you throughout. And even though you have like uh, exposition scenes, which shouldn't be good on a rewatch, but somehow still work on rewatchable. And you have the amazing action scenes, bullet time sequences, all of it. I'm giving it four out of five stars. So what about you, Timmy? I'm going to echo you. And a four out of five stars. I think it's a fantastic movie. I think it's, it is, I, we joked about it before, but it is the Star Wars for a new generation for that Gen X era. It really captured that audience's imagination. It was parodied beyond belief and it still holds up as an action movie with a little bit under the hood kind of going into it. And I think it really, I think it real it's really solid and I think it really carries like an entire franchise when you think about it. And it's, it's kinda of, it's kinda of like Star Wars in that regard where like one or two movies kind of carry a whole lot of other it's things. One, it's one of those things that a lot of these movies when like they get parodied to death, like they still they probably don't hold up as well. But the bullet time sequence, even though it's not as powerful as it probably was in the theaters back then, still fucking works. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Matrix Resurrections. Coming up next. Why does this feel like a memory? Like I have been waiting my whole life for you. Maybe this isn't the story we think it is. I never believed I was the one. What do you believe? I 
still no kung fu. The Matrix Resurrections. Rated R. In theaters and on HBO Max. So that is the TV trailer for the new Matrix Resurrections, but I keep wanting to say rebooted, and it feels like a real like miss because of the computer pun. Do you get it, Tommy? You know, like uh, you, know, you reboot a, been, you know, you yeah. reboot a computer. Like I would like have. If like they just because, went like very obvious tech pun right there. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, because they're rebooting the franchise, kind of. Why not just put it in the title? Or they're they're doing a requel as uh, Scream taught us last week. (laughs) Or other movies that we're not going to (laughs) mention. So, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot. lot. So, it's fine. So, now we've done this. uh, This is our third week in a row where we've covered a more modern movie. Um, And it is funny the contrast of like, you know, TV trailers now just don't mention, have a trailer voice at all. So, it's just like, it's weird because if you weren't watching like the screen or something like that, you'd just be like, what are these weird grunts and stuff like or explosions in the background? Whereas like back then in the 90s, it's like, this is Spider-Man. And it's coming this day and get ready because this is a guy that's a spider. <laughs> Which I think is interesting too, because I don't know about your TV watching habits but and yours too, audience at home. But I imagine when a, tra- a, a TV commercial comes on, you're not paying attention to the TV. You're actually going to put your bury your face in your phone. So I don't understand why they think we'd yeah. be more engaged in these TV trailers. Like they need more audio cues in these TV trailers. Like yeah, I feel like more, I, I, yeah, yeah, more more in the background or something like that. Where it's just like we're so distracted now. We're exactly we're like the second the second the commercial starts, I'm like, let me check what's on Instagram. Let me. Uh, that's how bad my attention span is now. Um, not that was great before. <laughs> Wait, what were we talking about? Yeah, exactly. Where where are we? <laughs> so, um, but uh, yes, Matrix rebooted, aka the Matrix Resurrections. Um, hey Wachowskis, if you wanna, you know, my Venmo's at Tim Dash Sestito. I'll give you like fifty thousand dollars, and you can use the Matrix rebooted. Well, change the title what- of it. Change the title of it. You know it was it interesting. It was interesting that only one of the um, Wachowski sisters was uh, in this uh, or directed this, because yeah. it was only Lana and um, Lily just wasn't involved and like apparently just said like I don't really want to bring up the past and stuff like that. So, well, I, so from I actually listened to an interview with Lana talking about this movie, and they lost so the Wachowskis lost both of their parents like very back to back, and Lana. Uh, then lost a close friend as well and they were grieving and the studio had kind of been telling them back to back you know telling them for every year coming to them saying like here's the Brinks truck let's make another matrix here's the Brinks truck let's make another matrix which I think is odd I felt like I feel like that's how out of touch studio executives can be where I felt like nobody was asking for a new matrix like I think everybody thought it ended just right like it was that little window of time I but, feel like the sequels kind of killed off a lot of the interest in the movie for uh, the franchise. Well, like, well eh. Relo- Reloaded Rocks, the the third, the last one. I think having those having a dual release in the same year like overdid it for people in terms of just like how much of it was. And the did they come one, out the same year? <laughs> yeah, they both came out in two thousand three. But Jesus I think. Christ. But what Lana was saying was she kept having dreams of Neo and Trinity, and that was what kind of inspired her to write it. And Lily was not feeling the same way, so she. Did well, not... what Lily said exactly was, "I don't want to have to go through uh, my suggestion and gone through this massive upheaval in my life. 
the sense of loss for my mom and dad to want to go back to something that I had done before. So I get that. I mean, like a lot of actors and like directors, like, you know, that's why you don't have like in a lot of franchises, the original director of the first one coming back for the two or three, because they're like, I've already done this. Let's move on. Let's do something else. <laughs> well, I also think there's a very key line in the beginning of the movie between when Neo is Anderson and he's trapped in the matrix again. And I actually think the first act is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't go more with it. I, I agree. Yeah. Do something complete. Cause I thought they were about to do something completely different because of how self-referential it was, where I think it's, it's an asset in this case because the matrix is never self-referential, you, you know, in that sense, like it was so re- self-referential where you were kind of saying scream itself was self-referential. So when it, becomes so expansive in itself you know what i mean like it wasn't it wasn't any different from from the original screen where it was kind of jarring to see in a matrix movie no exactly being self-referential but the line i want to talk about is you know that the way that the the uh they hide the uh who who is the uh alchemist what's his name the the therapist Uh, what what a the Neil Patrick Harris, the Neil Patrick Harris character. He's the architect. He's the architect yep. of the seventh iteration of the Matrix because in Revolutions Neo destroys it, but they isolate him and they trapped him in a simulation where he developed a video game series called The Matrix, and it's just those three movies and it's made him super successful at this video game company. And he's talking with his boss, who is Agent Smith, that they've paired together because they kind of oh have a cat and mouse game going back and smith says to him i know you don't want to make a new matrix game but we're doing this with or without you and i was like oh like i think they're talking about that warner brothers said like hey we're gonna take a shit on this with or without you so you can either take the money and try to protect your baby or the um, whole first act in a way was kind of just like um lana wakowski just being like fuck you warner brothers for making me do this movie so <laughs> they literally mentioned warner brothers by name which i respect for letting that go through warner brothers i know it was hard for you you know Is it, what, what, what scene your, was that it, he, they say like the warner brothers division i think it was that scene where it's like the warner brothers division like they called them out by name oh. about, like the video <laughs> yeah. games yeah yeah so it, 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 you agree. It, um, I think the strongest part of this movie and my favorite parts of the movie all take place in the first act, where they pretty much are just like, okay, like, yeah, I guess we're doing a new Matrix, guys. Like, like, okay, like, yeah, like, what do we like about the first Matrix? And they almost have like focus test group meetings where it's just talking about the Matrix and stuff. So in that aspect, I just do like Lamborghini just being very aware of like, yeah, this is bullshit too, and I'm doing this, but and uh, money. <laughs> Yeah, and I think part of it too, like there was the the montage of all of them developing the new Matrix and all of them explaining what the Matrix meant to them. And I'm like, oh, that that definitely happened at Warner Brothers before they came to the Wachowskis. But yeah, it it I think it I it's one of those movies that I respect it for at first trying something different, but then it just did the Matrix again where they and it kind of becomes uninteresting where it's just we need to find trinity like that was it the the second the second act of this movie um for me was just it was bad it was just very like boring to, uh, to be honest like it was just they did i mean this always happens with prequels but it was just so more apparent like with this one where it's just like 
after they spent the first act just shitting on the fact that they're doing this, they proceed to just do what they're shitting on, where they're just they have a new Morpheus back and he does the exact same Kung Fu scene that we saw in the last movie. And it's just like, okay, like this doesn't really add anything new to it from what I remember. <laughs> well, the one thing um, I will say that I give them credit for where I think the cleverness was, I liked how it made sense. Cause like, I think even Lawrence Fishburne was like, I don't understand why I wasn't asked back. And I, like, I would have gladly come back, but they actually killed off his iteration of Morpheus. So Yaha Abdul Mateen takes over as Morpheus. Now, but and, it's from it's from the video game, so he's not actually real. And I guess since we've advanced ninety years in the future, whatever the hell they say from when the last trilogy um, took over, it was sixty. They, it was sixty years. Yeah. Semantics, but they say yeah. that that now you know computer modules can now kind of exist in these like bd forms i thought that was like pretty cool visually and i liked that it made sense to kind of add a little youth when you're pairing you know keanu and carrie ann moss because keanu is weird because john wick he doesn't feel that old but boy he felt kind of old in this one huh well yeah part of the point but they let him show his grace uh yahoo abdul um mateen has been uh was great actually in the role despite the fact that i was just shitting on it he has actually been on a hell of a run of candy man uh came out earlier this year and he was like in the aquaman movie he always seems like a good welcome presence uh lately with like everything's been doing so i I did like how he took the role he just got he's got that joe burrow vibe like just so cool like I, like yeah. there's just something about when you hear the guy talk you're just like that's just a cool guy like I, so, I don't know, like like why even try to fight like there's so much of your youth that's like oh, that guy's not cool fuck him like yeah, yeah. he he you has like the cool talk, you're just like he's just got the he's just, it's the calm cool it's like he he's cool he knows it he's not yeah. flinging it in your face but it's it's there and so and like do you know how morpheus died in the in, in canon or in the original series <laughs> um he sacrificed himself. I, I, no. It sounds about right. What, what's what's funny is that he didn't. From what I read, that was that uh, Morpheus didn't even die within the actual Matrix movies. So like you know the ones that people. Yeah, were, he was the one who lived on because Neo and Trinity both die in the in Revolutions. They killed him off in the Matrix online video game that is apparently like some MMORP uh, RPG <laughs> that is defunct <laughs> now and isn't even fucking like a thing where. The, so like you, I'm pretty sure you can't even access the game right now. But it's just like they killed off Morpheus just in this random fucking game that 20 years later we're all like, what? <laughs> and that's a part, of, apparently a part of the fucking canon. <laughs> that's amazing. That is so. That is so like. Oh, Warner Brothers is like, yeah, you guys have full cut of your movie, but we have full rights on all of the extenuating properties. So, you know, the Wachowskis were not involved in that video game production whatsoever. And they were no, just apparently like, they were. They're just like, oh, fuck it. They're like, yeah, try- yeah, yeah, sure. Well, you know what it was. They were like, okay, the Matrix is a good way to keep a cash flow going, but this video game, but like, we're never going to make another Matrix movie. Yeah, exactly. I'll say this to learn from Star Wars, just make some of that shit not canon it just doesn't matter i think i think canon is one of the most overrated things i've ever seen if you enjoy that story great like does it really matter if it's in a time it just doesn't like you can just enjoy things to enjoy them it doesn't need to be a part of like a, st- a story like it, you know you know what i mean it doesn't need to be yeah yeah like the star connecting. wars yeah like like they're like that fandom where they cried over books that were you know, like, I'm sorry, if you're going to read, I, it's nice that you're reading, but 
it, it, well, it's, don't it's read just a like, Star Wars book. Like read a real book. It's like just like if you're, if you're just be happy the fucking story exists and just like whatever, cool. Like doesn't matter if it's canon or not. Do you really yeah. want Chewbacca to bo- die by like two moons? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's one of those like uh, yeah. I, I, it's it's uh, to just wrap it up. It's that fan like the rabid fan base like when people really make their personality revolve around being a fan of a thing because they don't know they've used it to successfully connect with people but they can't connect with people outside of of that that, that one little niche thing <laughs> that one little niche thing and it's like it's, yeah. it, 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 no and, and like i feel bad because it's it's like i get it it's nice it's sweet and if that's what you like but man you know I think these studios shouldn't be giving these people this much power because I think it's also proven that like, and I think the Disney Star Wars is a good example. Like Solo, a Star Wars story was for fanboys and it kind of sucked. And it's just, I just don't get how they could justify like, you know, you know what I mean? Just like try to do new things with, with things. Like it just doesn't all need to be legacy. Like I had an issue with, with the Mandalorian bringing Luke Skywalker back, I was like, like it could just be another Jedi. It didn't need to be Luke. It just, it just didn't. Like it was only to, it was only Luke for the fact that it was Luke. You, you know what I mean? Like it served yeah. no other function. It, it, it was just, yeah, it was pretty much just like a okay, right there, we're here. So it, it, it's, it's the trick. It's the tricky line of like, you know, you want to do it sometimes, or like the fan service thing, or but it'll come off as just like really bad like the worst example would be i don't even know if ghostbusters 2016 2016 was the worst example of bad fan service mention it again let's go um i mean but it is but like, it is no exactly well um but oh i was thinking like the marfa scene in um batman v superman where it's just like almost like a fan easter egg where zack snyder thought it'd be cool that people would be like oh my god yeah that's right both their parents names are martha and it's just like no that was stupid what the fuck are you talking about zack yeah. snyder yeah, see, see, my Ghostbusters 2016 is your Batman v Superman. It's just going to be the ones that we just throw out when we're talking about a bad big blockbuster. Apparently, so if if my brother's listening, he's going to uh, his heart just got broken. So, hey, to Tommy, Tommy's brother, just know it's it's okay to like it. You can like things that aren't good, but just know Batman v Superman is <laughs> not a good movie. Uh, no comment. So, <laughs> but, yeah, it. I think also I just got to say because like we kind of talked about it in the first one like how incredible the action is I think the Matrix Reloaded is where it peaks the freeway sequence is unbelievable I know you were like oh I'm kind of iffy on it and for me when I because I watched Reloaded because I really liked the Matrix I watched Reloaded after and I really enjoyed it until I didn't where I thought it kind of fell apart at the end where like he was starting to use the force outside of the matrix. And I was, I was like, ah, like you're, you're losing me here, but I really liked the action in it. Like the action that like the action is, they, they, they knew how to the ex- do a good scene, but no, they just, they replaced the exposition with action in, in that movie. Like that's why it's it fucking rocks. It's just, it's just, like, there's, it's like 15 minute action sequences. There's like three of them. It's, it's crazy. And like you have the the Keanu versus Agent Smith scene. I just kept watching it. I'm like, how is he going to get out of this? And it just kept going. I was stunned. Then you have like the Kung Fu scene at the French guy's mansion house where they go to get the key guy. 
And then you have the freeway scene, which is just insane. Like that fact that that was filmed, executed, and still holds up to today's standards in visual effects is unbelievable because I can't think of a movie that's done anything that cool, you know, in terms of just an action sequence. Maybe the well, John like Mad Wicks. Max. Mad, yeah, Mad Max. But Mad Max is really the only like standout though. Like John Wick is action, but it's it's paced so much differently because it's 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 all about the speed and the nonstop relentlessness, relentlessness. Where this has to have a little bit more of the adventure that I don't think John Wick necessarily needs to have. But so. the, but in the Matrix Resurrections, the action was garbage. It was awful. And so you you end up watching a third one too recently. No, I no, I didn't end up watching the third one. It was on my queue. I just, I just didn't have it in me. Yeah, exactly. It's it's one of those things that like pop culture osmosis. As much as like the Matrix itself has been, now the sequels have been gotten to that point where like you'll have on sitcoms like in Scrubs, uh, characters saying like, "Yeah, I wish I could just forget the Matrix sequels." It just became a punchline where it's just like we don't like to talk about them. But I, I remember liking the second one. I thought it was all right, but like I don't know. Maybe it's just because it was the first Matrix movie I saw, and it's been fifteen years. Since I've yeah. seen two, but I do remember the highway scene being cool. The 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 I will say this, and like I think you can attest to this that I tend to be a bit more critical on films, especially I sequels thought, and IP, and especially sequels. I thought it was, I thought the second one rocked. Like I thought it would. I thought I would give it three to three and a half stars out of five if I was rating it right now. Like I think it rocks. I was reading about revolutions, and it gets so deep into the philosophy. It just and it it just kind of loses itself into it where in a way where it's like very clunky like we were talking yeah, about it was just clunky at where yeah. I felt like in like as I said we were saying in the first one like when it's just kind of under the hood in a car like the philosophy stuff and it's there and you can pick up on it and you can interpret it to mean what you want it to mean mm. it's powerful that way so there's one thing also I want to touch about this new movie um, the new Matrix. Um, that how un- like forgettable so many of the characters are. Like outside of um, Jessica Hamlet's character, um, w- which was Bugs, I don't think I could tell you the name of a single character that was not from the first Matrix movie. You know, well, it's you know, the architect. The architect is Neil Patrick Harris, but I guess the architect was in the other Matrixes. But uh... yeah, so yeah, like, like, exactly. Like, can, can you name me any other character's name that was in this movie? <laughs> um, Agent Smith. Okay. Okay. Well, returning character. <laughs> so, oh, well, um, but technically, I mean, not, it wasn't um, Hugo Weaving, but it was Jonathan Goff, but still. Sunny? Was Sunny a character? Go, go to Wikipedia. You're on the Wikipedia page right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, but I'm just trying. I want to guess. I don't, I don't not Tommy. Don't oh, I'm on the Wikipedia page. Please. Jeez. <laughs> um, okay. What about, I feel like they're. Wasn't, no, exactly. This wasn't somebody is, R- Ricky? I feel like there was a Ricky. Was there a Ricky? I think Ricky was the first one. Maybe. Um, but you know, but who, no. In, in the first movie, I mean, like on top of like the legacy characters, like Agent Smith, Morpheus. Um, you had Switch in the first movie. You had um, Cypress, which was Joy Pants, um, and then like you had so many more memorable characters, and like they really stood out. Whereas outside of Bugs, all of them kind of just like faded into the background. Didn't really seem to go in the way it's one of those things that in a requel or like a reboot like this when they try and do the legacy characters and the new characters there's always a delicate balance and this one the new matrix movie like 
Okay, fuck anyone that's not Keanu and Kirian Moss, essentially. Well, <laughs> that's well, how put it put it this way, like compare it to Screen Five, where they put the they put the legacy characters. The legacy characters are in the movie for 15 minutes in Screen Five. Yeah. Outside of David Arquette, like, but he was kind of a Han Solo character, but everybody else is in it for 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. And they play it, they play a part in the plot, but you spend 40 minutes with this entirely new cast before you even touch on the legacy characters. Yeah, and, and that way that's why I think the Scream 5 did a better job of like the requel stuff than Matrix did, but they oh for I, sure. But but I liked how I liked in this one how critical they were of like that's what I really liked about that first act. And I'm very disappointed that it didn't go further in that direction because I loved how critical it was. Like I was like, oh okay, like if if, if you're gonna be this critical and you just like like imagine if this ended like blazing saddles where they just break the fourth wall and they run around like the Warner Brothers lot like that would have been great. Funny. I yeah. mean, audiences would have hated it, but it turns out like audiences kind of hated this movie to begin with. So I, they should have just gone like full on Gremlins too, where they're just like let's just deconstruct everything that is about the Matrix. <laughs> no, it's no, it's true. Like that's what makes Gremlins two work so well is like. Joe Dante didn't want to make a sequel. They like kind of forced him to make the sequel. And he's like, all right, I'll make the sequel, but I'm making it my way. And he just said, all right, these were your criticisms. Fuck off. This was your yeah, fuck off. Like he just did yeah. what he wanted. This one felt like they felt like Lana, we're going to give you an act to do whatever you want. And then you have to tell the matrix again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, is, like, that we'll, a, we'll, is that okay? We'll, we'll let you get your fucking um, like, you know, criticisms out of the way. And then after that, Give us what we fucking want. So, um, I mean, I did like the action in the third act, but even by the end, like, you know, this movie, like, even plot wise, it was hard to follow, like, what was really happening, like, what was other than, like, the Neo and Trinity of it all. It's like all the other characters, I was like, why should I care about this person? Why should I care about that person? And they didn't really, they didn't really do it at all. I didn't, well, <laughs> see, I didn't even like the action. Like, the action in the coffee shop was horror. Like, that coffee shop scene was horror horrible where like trinity like wakes up in the matrix i guess because like where they're doing like the stealth mission to get her out well i did i did like the whole um like keanu doing like the fucking almost like the force uh on the helicopter it is you... it is the fo- it is the force Tommy. at right? this um, at this point it's the force he's a jedi <laughs> it's, keanu kind of should be a jedi <laughs> keanu so... would have been aw- keanu i'm actually thinking like on the prequels like yeah, how perfect would it have been if Keanu was just like a Jedi Knight in the prequels? Would have just he would have fit he, in those movies so perfectly? It's unbelievable! It's unbelievable. He, current, current day, current day Keanu would have been like a great like Qui Gon Jinn or something like that. I, I, no, I can I, see. I, Ewan McGregor was the correct choice to cast for Obi Wan in those movies, but my God, I wish they casted Keanu Reeves because it would have just been so fucking funny. Wow, <laughs> you got a lot of sparse, bro. <laughs> I just I, that made I just thought of that that made me laugh. <laughs> and and yeah, so it just becomes like uh, fucking Obi Wan, just a fucking idiot throughout the movies, even more so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I yeah, with the yeah, but I don't know with the Matrix. It's what's no, but I think like 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 I compared the first one to the original Star Wars, right? Yeah, but like there was like like the hype for the Phantom Menace at the time, and even the Force Awakens was like. Un- unbelievable like the people were like pooping themselves like i i uh, people the star wars series sh- 
people didn't give a shit that this was happening. People didn't give a fuck. Very clearly based on the box office, but it's like Star Wars has been one of those like, uh, franchises that like has been great at just building up hype for like the second a new Star Wars movie comes. Like I'm sure if they do episode like 10 or something like that. I don't know. Though- I don't know about that. The Disney one really, I think that one rubbed people the wrong way. I think, I think, the, I mean, the rise of Skywalker is a piece of shit. It is, but I still think that people are still going to fucking go. Well, there's just it. such like a rabid fan base because those first two to three movies are so magical that, and they just carry on from, because you can show those when you're five. Like, there's a reason we didn't see these movies as kids because you can't, like, imagine explaining what the Matrix is to a seven year old. Yeah, it would just been like, what? But it's mm-hmm. so, it's like one of those things. The Star Wars does a great job of that. And meanwhile, um, like I was saying earlier, the Matrix, pretty much after the third movie, just kind of just like ruined their own franchise where people are like, okay, the first one's a great movie, but like, you know, second one's all right, I guess, but I'm just like, fuck the third. And like, I don't really care what's going on in the rest of the franchise. They left a bad taste in their mouth. (laughs) Homework assignment, you have to watch Matrix Reloaded because I think you'll actually, I think you might actually like that one more than the original Matrix, to be completely honest with you. I think, I think that will hold your attention span because it's, it's not a ton of story. It's really not. It's It's a lot lot of action. (laughs) It's a lot of action with like the story just being like philosophy, but it's not like it doesn't really hinge on it too much. I, I think I think you would I think you would really like that. I all right. I, I need to rewatch it. It's been about fifteen years. So I think like I th- <laughs> and I think that the parts where you're like, uh, it, it'll just be followed up with like this just amazing action sequence that you're gonna be like, all right, that that rules. That was that rocks. Like I'm yeah. I'm in. Uh, so where, like, but I didn't think this even had that. Like it was just so dull. They didn't even do bullet time. Like how do you not? How do you reboot the Matrix and not do fucking bullet time? It, it's just, yeah, they just didn't really hit the points that we wanted to fucking see. <laughs> well, I, well that, see, that's not my problem because they, like, I didn't go, I don't go into these movies wanting to see the Matrix one retold to me, but they did, but they didn't even do it well. Like, like the Force Awakens did it well. This didn't even bother to do it well. No, exactly. It's just like they, I mean, it was so weird that in the beginning of the movie, like I was so confused by like so much of the plot of like why like in the beginning of the movie, it was just showing like the scene from the original Matrix over and over and over again on a loop. I don't know. I, I think this is like the first movie we've done in the pod where it almost was like, I, I fell asleep the night before when I first watched this. And then the second night um, when I had to pick that back up today, I was like, fuck, it wasn't for this podcast. I would have just been fine not finishing this movie. So... <laughs> But you did, Tommy, and you should be proud of yourself because you accomplished. I committed. Day. I'm not. I'm not a cypher. I'm not no, a quitter. You're not a cypher. You're not a cypher. Cypher. Don't ever cypher. be. A, you're. I like that you just keep. Like I said, cypher, and you just like cypress. Yeah. <laughs> Joy pants. I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. Neil Patrick Harris. For the star, he he was a... he, he stole the show. I I say the star, the steer of the show. Like who's the guy that you'll take away from? I think it's him. I, it, I, yeah, he maybe he, Yaha I, Abdul, but he wasn't in it enough. I felt like he he was in the beginning, and then like he just kind of disappeared for a little bit. Um, but Neil Patrick Harris, I mean, I don't know if we ever seen him in like a straight up antagonistic role like this. At least not that I can think of, where his character was. I mean, Barney Stinson to all women in New York is essentially an antagonist when you think about it. Yeah. 
you're not wrong. <laughs> but depends how you want to look at how I met your mother. But when, when you look at how much your mother, sometimes you look at Barney and you're like, oh my god, this guy's like a fucking. But they even mentioned the show. He's like, just Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> well, well, he works so well because when Neil Patrick Harris was casted onto that show, they were in casting originally looking for like a Jack Black to play the role of Barney. Like they weren't looking for. Neil Patrick hair they weren't looking for like a thin that wouldn't have worked no no I agree like the show wouldn't have gotten past its first season or Barney would have been a completely different character but when you have a because I think for the first couple of seasons he was closeted like it was an open secret but he was kind of closeted to the public at least um when you have a gay guy playing what a desperate straight guy would do to try to pick up chicks it works so well because the energy the unrelentless energy is just off the charts yeah he, he bragged a lot to that role but um so like you know he's usually known for like those goofier comedic roles like especially with like the harold kumar movies i mean i guess the closest would maybe be gone girl but he wasn't really medicine in gone girl i mean like no no not at all um i mean i'm we're gonna end up covering the Batman on this show that comes out in a month or so. And I get why he's not the Riddler in that movie, but oh my god, would he not be a great Riddler? I know it's if, been said before, but he would he would just be so good. He'd be a good Riddler if it was going for like the kind of Joe Schumacher, like more campy tone, I feel like. But I th- see, I th- think with this one... You're thinking like it, a Christopher Nolan version of like Riddler, but played by Neil Patrick Harris would work? Yes, yes, I think it would, because I think if he, he his like diction, the way he speaks is very on top of each other, and he talks very quick, very short pauses, very rhythmic. You pair him with like a great director, and he slows down his pace of his like speech, the way he talks, I think and just like just the way he sounds, I think you I think it would come off very very menacing. I think they kind of did that here. It wasn't it wasn't as pronounced, but I think if he like let the air speak for him, I think he can like is f- facially he's able to like really put on a, a an aggressive like like scorn and yeah that is well, it- that that his voice can kind of carry. Yeah, no, it's exactly. It's like, um, as far as the villain, he was, um, so we barely even touched upon the movie because we just did not like it that much. Yeah, but uh, yeah. we were kind of like, oh, whatever. But um, Neil Patrick Harris is like essentially the main antagonist in this movie and he's menacing. He has a great villain monologue where he tells Keanu Reeves, essentially, here's why I'm doing everything. and like, fuck you. And, and he's really great at playing medicine and I want to see him more in villain roles. I want to see him more as like, you know, like maybe like the killer in a fucking like cop movie or something like that. You know, he he'd be great at that. I feel he would be he would be good in like a yeah, it's like a like a zodiac serial killer kind of story. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the movie sucked. Trinity is now the one, and uh, that's all you need to know about it. So, ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. No, because uh, I just don't ever want to watch this movie again. It does not work as a Muppet <laughs> adaptation because I just don't ever want to see this movie again. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. So uh, the less the Muppets are involved in this movie, the better. So um, no. We're going to pretend <laughs> we didn't do that drop. Tommy, give me a rating. So the first act I thought was pretty promising, um, like we said before. Um, 
And then the second act, it kind of lost me. Like I said, um, you know, I literally fell asleep watching this movie last night and I was perfectly fine with that. Usually I'm kind of like, fuck, like I need to go back and rewatch this movie. And I literally only did because I felt obligated to. <laughs> so I was flirting with like a 2.5 at first because I was like, yeah, the first act was good. But then the more I think about it, like after that, it just was a slog of a movie is two and a half hours and it didn't need to be that long. It was just not entertaining. So I'm going to like two out of five. So I'm going to be a little harsher than you. I'm going with one and a half out of five. And it's not even like the first act was promising. I think we can kind of both agree with that. I thought we both like, were like, Oh, if they built off of that premise, like this could have been really, really promising, but it was telling a very similar story to the original Matrix and then not complimenting it with what made the Matrix and even the Matrix Reloaded so special. Like the the action, it wasn't there for me. Like I, there's, I can't, n- there's no takeaway from, from, from me. I am not going to sit there and want to rewatch any of those fight scenes. Comes on HBO on a Sunday morning, I'm skipping over it. Like I'd have no interest in watching it again. There wasn't really that much like visually interesting about the movie. I mean, like, and it looked the, and it looked worse than the original Matrix. Like, which is weird, lighting wise. Yeah, it was horrible. So, yeah, no, it, uh, this is easily. I mean, granted, we're only like five episodes in, but this is easily the worst movie we've covered on the pod. So, without a doubt. Yeah, by a mile, and I think I think it's worth your curiosity. I would say definitely. If it, you see it on HBO Max and you're kind of curious, the first act carries its weight. I'll say it; it's carrying 1.25 out of those five, one and a half stars I gave it. Um, and see how you like it, because uh, the beauty of movies is that one man's opinion doesn't really mean too much, and you might really enjoy it. Yeah. So, um, but it does look like a lot of people uh, agree to fuss because this movie is a fucking box office bomb. Um, no, 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 no. It, it's a traditional box office bomb, but 140 mo- million with a parallel release in on HBO Max. That's not a bomb, my friend. That's a success. I'm my, sure Warner my Brothers. Opinion. Well, yeah, I'm but I'm sure that Warner Brothers I, doesn't care about your opinion. So I'm sure no, they're no, no, not no. disappointed. No, because <laughs> they're they're calculating the sh- stream data that it did too. They're, they're not just calculating it off of the. They can't because you can't do the dual release. Like, okay, Tommy, if Spider-Man No Way Home came out, and I, I, it's the exception, right? But if that came out on Disney Plus at the same time, how, how does that do at the box office? I still think it would do pretty well. I mean, like, um, I'm about to look it up right now, but there's it, that, been a few movies. So, like, for example, um, as I pull it up, so Halloween Kills, the latest in the Halloween Michael Myers franchises back in October, um, opened up uh, to with a simultaneous release on Peacock and somehow still grows yeah, to 131. Nobody, yeah, but nobody has Peacock. Well, regardless, but they did a simultaneous release and it scored uh, 130 million at the box office, which for them, I'm sure they're fucking very happy. Yeah, because they put 10 million into it. No, yeah, I was like, listen, I'm not, I'm not saying they're thrilled about the result of it, but I think you're fighting, like they didn't get to have the IMAX screens because they were fighting with Spider-Man No Way Home. It got, it got like two nights in IMAX and it was out of IMAX. So this came out December 16th, and when did Spider-Man come out? Is it the same week? No, this came out the 22nd. That came out the 18th. It was the week after. But Spider-Man was doing so well that theaters couldn't kick it out of IMAX because those seats were already sold out. 
Well, yeah, exactly. Like Spider-Man was the first movie I've seen in, the, um, in this pandemic era where it was like packed um, in the movie theater. Yeah. And I would have to imagine the Matrix was close to the empty or like just not really there. <laughs> I, yeah, I saw it in the theater and it was already in the smallest theater possible. And that was like there was like 10 people in like a 40 seat theater, if maybe a little more seats. Yeah. There were more people there than I expected. So it has that going for it. I, yeah, I and I don't want to be on totally unfair to it, but it I it definitely didn't click with me, and it's kind of disappointing because I had seen the Matrix and the Matrix Reloaded going into this, and I really really enjoyed those, and I had high hopes that this wouldn't be would it at least be like two and a half out of five, you know, just like oh okay yeah what my palate I enjoyed it enough it was a fun two hours, but yeah no it was just a slog I, like honestly, <laughs> but yeah so. That's it. That's the Matrix. Tommy, red pill, blue pill. Quick, go. Uh, blue pill. Pussy. My name's Tim. <laughs> I'm Tommy. And we have now seen the movies. <laughs> <laughs>